Welcome back to the I Don't Know Bug podcast with your host Angel and Imani. Presented to you by our Heavenly Father, aka the Big G O D. Hey, Angel. Hi, Mom. <laughs> what? How are you laughing at me? Oh, you have <laughs> lots of energy today, I see. No, actually, I don't. Oh, why am I going to the back of the her. Bible? Oops. Okay, so we are continuing our Bible study series, and we are on Genesis 11, but before we are going to say a little prayer. Okay. Father God, we come thanking you, as always, for being our guiding light, rock, and armor. We pray that you add a blessing to the reading of your word that you give us clear understanding. And we thank you for all that you have done, are doing, and will do in our lives. And we pray for those who are listening to our broadcasts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so you being first? Did you say broadcast? This is a broadcast. <laughs> broadcast. This is a broadcast. We podcast. are broadcasting internationally. Podcast. So, you're going to read first, or oh, you want me to read? It doesn't look like a lineage, so you should be all right. What happened? I said this doesn't look like any type of lineage so far, so you should be all right. Thank you, Lord. Where are we? 11? Genesis 11. I'm sorry. Let's get with it. Okay. Don't rush me. And it reads... At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plan in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used instead of mortar. Then they said, come, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with the tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people before uh, what? <laughs> Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That's why the city was called Babel. Because that, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, in this way, he scattered them all over the world. Okay, stop there. Godly, I don't know why that was so like... Yeah, you were struggling with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to understand what's going on tonight with you. First of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, um, I just be getting nervous when I read. Like, why? Because like it's me, the attention is on me. So, I don't know, it's just like, I, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, but nobody but me is here. Yeah, but the whole world is listening. Well... You, yeah. you did fine. You were just going a little fast. I was trying to keep up with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll slow down. Um, I just talk fast. So. And then my Bible is different from yours. So I'm coming out of the NIV. You're coming out of NLT. I need to get NIV. And um, 
there's a lot going on in chapter 11, one through nine, but I want to read the note on the side and that can kind of maybe help explain a little bit. So it says, we see a play on words here. While the Hebrew word Babel sounds like the Hebrew word Balau, which is also found in this verse and means confusion or mixing, the word Babel itself is Hebrew for Babylon. The Babylonians understood the word Babylon to mean gate of God. Some scholars believe, based on the history of the area in which the tower was erected, that the builders of the multi-tiered structure were interested in crowning the edifice with a shrine to a pagan god. That would help to explain why the one true God is so offended by the plan, which goes way beyond their professed purpose of attaining renown and unity, and instead is fraught with their wayward affection for gods other than the true God. The true God requires no tower, nor any such structure to come near to his people. The only thing he asks is a desire on our part to be close to him. So at one point in time, everyone spoke one language. But God said, no, we're going to change that and we're going to have multiple languages. So mine says, so the Lord scattered them from there, all from there over all the earth, and they stopped building a city. This is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Wow. I wonder how they got, I guess maybe they walked, you know, because earth is pretty large. Even though if you look at old maps the oceans and the waters weren't as they didn't separate earth as much as they do now like it's almost like you can cross the water to get to mm-hmm. each continent it looked like like you could like literally walk over the water or through the water and then as time went on the oceans i guess just expanded and expanded and, and you had to take boats but that's very interesting we we hear about the one language a lot but now we have multiple languages. So now we know where all these different languages come, come from. Because there are plenty on this earth now. I know. Yeah. Did you want to read something? Oh, no. I just look up, like, when I'm reading, mm-hmm. I like to go and look up other people's, like, thoughts on what I... What... Did you want to share? Um. Well, I didn't read it yet, so I can't... I don't know. I don't know if I agree with it yet. So uh, okay. I have to... All right. So well, let's continue reading. So this is 11... Chapter 11, verse 10. This is the account of Shem's family. Two years after the great flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of... Arphaxid. Yep. Mm -hmm. After the birth of Arphaxid, Shem lived another 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxid was 35 years old, he became the father of Shelah. After the birth of Shelah, Arphaxid lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sheila was 30 years old, he became the father of Eber. You talking about some there's no name. Well, when I was looking at I didn't see the lineage, but apparently there's more lineage. After the birth of Eber, Sheila lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber was 34 years old, he became the father of Peleg. Plague? Plague? 
Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived another 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg was 30 years old, he became the father of Ru. After the birth of Ru, Peleg lived another 209 years and had sons and daughters. When Ru was 32 years old, he became the father of Sherug. After the birth of Sherug, Ru lived another 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sherug was 30 years old, he became the father of Nahor. Nahor? Nahor. Nahor. After the birth of Nahor, Sherug lived another 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor was 29 years old, he became the father of Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 111, 119 years and and had other sons and daughters. After Terah was 70 years old, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So it looks like in the beginning, men were... Of course, living longer and having their children at older ages. But now okay. we're seeing that those um, lives were being shortened and they started having their children younger. So like regular years, 34, 30, 32, 29, except for Tira, he had 70. He started at 70. But we all know that men can have children until they die. Yeah. And women, you know, we can only have children up until we um, go through the change. But go ahead, continue. This is the account of Tira's family. Tira was the father of Abram. 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 Oh, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in. You are. You are. You say it like that. Or. You are. Yeah. Er. Er. Of the. Chaldeans. Chaldeans, the land of his birth, of his birth, while his father, Ter- I can't say his Terah, Terir, Terah, Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife, Abrams, Abram. Oh my goodness, Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milka. Milka. Milka and her sister Iska were daughters of Nahor's brother in Haran, brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Tira took his son Abram, his daughter Abram. Abram. Oh my goodness, why do I keep doing that? Like, think of Abraham. It's I know, Abram. but like, I be wanting to say Abraham, but then I'm like, okay. Uh, one day, Tira took his son Abram. <laughs> Is that how you say it? <laughs> Abram. Abram. Oh, my gosh. Tira and Abram. Tira and Abram. Look at this. His daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son of Abram's wife, and his daughter, Lot, his son, Haran's child, and moved away from or of the Ch- Chaldeans. Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but then stopped at Haran and settled there. Tara Tara. <laughs> Sarah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. My goodness. I can't do these names. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll read. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great 
and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took the wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh and Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram sent out I'm sorry, then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So I just want to read um what? Well, we didn't get there yet. Wait. So I'll wait. The notes? Yeah. Let me let me go keep continuing. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female, donkeys, men servants and maidservants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I look so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Okay, so the notes. Sarai or Sarah, whom we later discover is a remarkably beautiful woman is first introduced to the reader as a mocked woman, a woman who suffers under the curse of barrenness. Aside from being Abram's wife, her childlessness is the only thing we know about her from many verses. Barrenness in early Eastern culture was considered much more than a matter of regret, much more than a cause for heartache. It was a matter of reproach and a cause for divorce. Therefore, Sarah's relationship to Abram is considered tenuous at best. Then it says, Abram makes a decision based on fear rather than faith, and Sarah follows along. We have no idea how willingly Sarah agrees since ancient cultures expected submission and obedience from wives. Certainly it's hard to imagine she realized her choice would result in becoming a concubine 
in Pharaoh's harem. The consolation for us in this story is that God protects his own, even when they act foolishly. Sometimes we, too, make fear-based decisions rather than faith-based ones. And sometimes we create worse situations for ourselves than the one we feared. But God takes care of us, sometimes going to extraordinary length to assure that his plans are not disrupted. In this case, God directs circumstances to protect the future mother of Israel and to preserve his promise to create a great nation through Abram. So Abram was straight up lying that his wife was his sister because he didn't want to be killed by Pharaoh. You know what I find interesting? All these people, but I guess this is a many years too because this lineage is, if you counted it, has to be over a thousand years. But I'm like, where did Pharaoh come from and how did he become a Pharaoh? And who is his line, his lineage from? Very interesting. Maybe you'll learn that as you read on. No, I don't think they really go into it. Well, I'm not going to sit up here and say that because I've never read the Bible all the way through. So maybe they might go into who Pharaoh came from. Abram and Lot separate. We are now on chapter 13. Can I read now? Go ahead. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the into the Negev, Negev yeah. along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. From the Najib, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's now not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The, the whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will separate if you want the land to the left then we then i'll take the land on the right if you prefer the land on the right then i'll go to the land to the left lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the jordan valley in the direction of zor zor the whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. <laughs> Abram, my goodness. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to the place of near Sodom and Sodom, Sodom and settled there and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see, in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants, as a permanent 
possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belong, belonging to Mamre. Mamre? There he built another altar to the Lord. So Abram and Lot broke off from each other. So I'm going to read the note. It says, Abram shows a shift in his heart from previous decisions he has made. Now, rather than worrying about taking care of himself, he benevolently suggests that Lot choose a site on which to settle. Perhaps his humbling experience in Egypt taught Abram to trust God to take care of him. Or perhaps seeing the palace, see, I'm sorry, seeing the place where he had first built an altar to God reminded him of God's promises. For whatever reason, Abram shows himself to be a generous man. After Lot selects the choice, the choicest property, God once again appears to Abram and assures him that the Lord will give him more land than Abram could possibly imagine, including that which Lot has chosen. Yeah, I guess this is just showing us we have to really just trust, trust God and, you know, believe. I think I needed to kind of hear this because, you know, sometimes when things aren't flowing to you, you tend to feel like God forgot about you. But, you know. Everything happens in due timing. You just have to trust. Okay, continue. Chapter 14. Abram rescues Lot. About this time, war broke out in the region. King, my goodness, all these. Nope, you're doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. At this time, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elisar, Kedar Lomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Golim, Goim, there's no L in that, went to war against Bera, king of so- Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemabar, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, all these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, the Salt Sea. For 12 years, they had been subject to Kedor Lomar, but in the 13th year, they rebelled. In the 14th year, Kedor Lomar and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephaites in Ashtaroth. Carnaim, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shavar Kiriathim, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran, near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En Mishpah, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazazon, Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Kedolomar, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elisar, 
four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of the tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Anna, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in 318 trained men born in his household. Wow. And went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedolamar and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God, most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God's Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Whew, that was a lot. Um, you done? Well, I wanted to read the note on the side. So it says, um, the term Hebrew, which in the Hebrew language is... Ibri is used in various forms 44 times in the Bible, with Genesis 14, 13 being the first. The word derives from one of three sources. It might be based on the verb ebar, which means to cross over or beyond. Thus, the Hebrews would be the ones who crossed over or the ones from beyond. Or Hebrew might be based on geneal genealogies that identify Eber, Noah's great-great-grandson, as an ancestor to Abram and his descendants, thus the Eberites. Or Hebrew might be derived from the term Aperu, which refers to a diverse group with an inferior social status who lived on the fringes of settled areas. While the Hebrews were not, as, not of this lot, they were made up of several Semitic, groups, Semitic groups, which might have been the common factor given rise to the term Hebrew. So that's just a little history lesson on what Hebrew means. All right, so now we're at chapter 14, verse 21. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the, 
and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Aina, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. You want to read? Mm-hmm. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so no one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Isn't it heir and it's a heir? heir. <laughs> <laughs> then the Lord took Abram outside. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. But Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as a righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur Ur of the, can you say it? Chaldeans. To give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer. It's a cow. Oh. <laughs> a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcass. Carcasses. 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 But Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Mm. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and I will end the... And in the end... They will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried as a ripe old and be buried at the at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram was saw a smoking fire pot. Fire pot, fire pot, okay. And a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. The land now now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. 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 All right. So God made a promise, but 400 years. You know what that is? That's a long time to be wandering and 
you know, not being blessed, basically. So on the side, it says, um, Abram's questions about becoming a father. It reminds, us, it reminds me of um, slavery times. It does. That's a good point. Abram's questions about becoming a father and a man with property are well-founded. He has a barren wife, and everywhere he looks, others are living on the land God has promised him. God seems to recognize that Abram needs more assurance. So the Lord directs Abram to cut a number of animals in half, laying them on the ground with space between each half. This ancient custom was like writing a contract. The individuals involved in the agreement would walk between the animal halves, signifying that a similar fate should be theirs if they broke the contract. When Abram, when Abram, because <laughs> I want to say Abraham, sees, I believe they changes his name to Abraham. But yeah, anyway, when Abram sees the blazing torch move between the pieces, he understands that God is giving his solemn word to fulfill what he has promised. Compare other passages where fire signifies God's presence. For instance, the burning bush and the tongues of fire of Pentecost. So what I want to talk about here is sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I've seen, the, the pattern, is God truly honors a sincere sacrifice. So, you know, we always talk about fasting and praying. You know. Because sacrificial, like, sacrifice is a repetition of, I would say, love in a sense. Because... It's very sacrificial. Like, love can be very sacrificial. Like, showing your love can be very sacrificial. How so? Like, like mothers with children when they give birth. That's sacrificial already. You let you letting your, your body go through this very, very painful experience so that you can birth a child. That's sacrifice already. You have to, you're, cause then after the after the fact, you have to adapt to what your new new body is. Well, some women I know go right back to their perfect. I mean, body. yeah, but I'm just saying, like everybody goes through like this transition after they have a child. Yeah, there's different types of transition. It doesn't always have to be physical. It could be mental. Um, you know, postpartum depression. There's a lot that comes with mothering and birthing children but I just I guess I want to talk about sacrifice because I can be honest and say it's been a long time since I've sacrificed anything for God like really giving up something like so you know normally before my Lent season I give up sweets so that's kind of a well, that's a big sacrifice for me because mm -hmm. everybody and their mama know that is my drug of choice. But even with that, I think I can do more. I kind of see where the whole Cain and Abel thing came. You know where I was questioning like why was Abel sacrificed better than Cain's? And I think sometimes when we sacrifice. Or will we give God what we consider a sacrifice, knowing it's not right, that the, hard yeah. to do anymore? Like, it's not yeah. really that hard to give up this thing or, you know, it's like, come better. You know, yeah. like, I need I need this right. to be a real sacrifice. Like, <laughs> like, like, I need you to struggle yeah. 
you know, in this this process forever how for however long, you know, it's supposed to be. Um, because we don't have I'll put it this way. If I was to bring a sacrifice of my children to God right now, the govern the government, the police, everything would be putting me in jail. Because I couldn't sacrifice y'all like they could back in the day where it's like, oh, okay, I'm bringing Angel as a sacrifice to you in hopes that you won't kill her or make me kill her. But you know what I mean? Like that that's not acceptable in these days and times. So now we have to give up those things that is like excruciatingly (laughs) difficult to let go of for whatever period of time. You know, I guess that in your spirit, you feel necessary to do so. But what would you what would you give up as a sacrifice right now? Well, I've realized about myself that, like, I don't eat as much as I probably should. But when I'm, like, intentionally fasting, like, not trying to eat for God, it's way harder than when I just go throughout the day and don't eat. Mm-hmm. So, like... I usually give up food. That's what I usually do. I do intermediate fasting. So, like, I don't eat for 12 hours and then, yeah. But let's talk about what would be a real struggle. A real struggle right now? Probably my phone. Your phone. Yes, Yes. my phone. Yeah, I agree. I think that... And TikTok. Everybody's phone... There's some people... Like, I don't know where to put it. Like, I need, like, a, I need like a drawer that I can lock it and just leave it in there. Because, like, I feel like that's the only way I'm going to get through. Like, that's the only way. Because if it's near me, I'm going to want to pick it up. Yeah. I think everybody has been kind of conditioned that if they don't have their phone, there's going to be an emergency. Not realizing... Now, your generation wouldn't understand this, but my generation would. We didn't have phones to our hips and fingers every minute of the day back in the day so if we took a long distance trip and something happened we would have to wave down a car to give us a ride to the nearest convenience store or gas station to use the payphone to make a phone call to see if we can get some help unfortunately they don't really have payphones anymore so i guess back then people had house phones or stores had you know phones and it's the landline phones and we will be able to reach out but now it's kind of like we're conditioned that if there's an emergency we have to have our phone yeah you know on us and it's really just conditioning honestly because you still can wave down someone you still can walk to a convenience store and ask to use someone's phone you still can you know you still can do all those things but there's a uh what's the word i'm trying to think of inconvenience that comes with having to do all of that when we have our phone right here. Yeah. My sacrifice for me, I feel like I can put my phone down because as long as I'm in the house and my kids are here, any other emergency is like, I'll just have to hear about it when I hear about it. Not to say that I don't love my family and friends if God forbid something happens, but you know, but my biggest sacrifice is that big old TV screen sitting right there, <laughs> turning that off and just sitting with myself and my and hearing, you know, from God and my thoughts and being quiet. Because I feel like growing up, I always had to have noise. I feel discomfort 
Oh, and I like quiet. sitting in silence. I love it, especially I, in the morning. I, I like, like it, but I can't stay there long. Like when I wake up and you're on your phone blasting, <laughs> blasting whatever you're listening to on Instagram or whatever, or Facebook. I'm just like, I don't want to talk. Like for the first thirty minutes, I just we need to sit in silence. Please. But this is why people, when a person has their own bedroom, I know I go, I'm going back in there. They should, you know, utilize but that. But anyways, what I was gonna say, um, was like when the electricity was out, like me and Charles, we went and sat in the car, and I just read a book for like hours, and my phone wasn't with me because obviously it was. If I was on it, it was gonna die, and then I wouldn't be able to charge it. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna just go in the car and read my book. And that's what we did. And so that was really peaceful for me. Also, when I was in Georgia, when we used to go to church camp, when we didn't have Wi-Fi, when we went there. So it was just like peaceful. It's just so peaceful without my phone. But like, I'm so like conditioned to always using it that it's just like, it needs to be next to me, which is not okay at all. Yeah. So I think, I'm not going to say right now. When I'm led, I'm going to give a sacrificial gift to God. Right now, I'm sacrificing my sugar for 30 days. Which is not that hard for me, honestly. I'm not even going to lie. Like, it's, it's hard. It's easier as we like, do it. Because I do it yearly anyway. Because it's now, now it's like, I just, like, I could really, don't really need it as much as I did before. So, like, I could, we could stop this and I could still go on. Because, like, I'm not. Yeah, I know I'm going to get a chocolate cupcake. I know you are. Or something. But what I do plan to do next year, which I'm really preparing my brain, is to do, uh, for Lent, is to do like a Greek diet and to take out carbs and sugar. I could do it. I think I could. And just eat fish. I mean, we've kind of done it before, but not for like that long. Because we was eating meat Yeah, this is going to be six weeks, though. That's it. Yeah. So, I'm preparing my brain. I have, what, six months? Yeah. No, five months. I think it is in March. Or somewhere. Or it usually falls around March. But. Like, I take social media breaks. And I, just I do stop. do that. Now, that I can do. I don't have. I've done that for years. I don't have issues getting off of social media for a year. Sometimes I just don't want oh, people to be months. in my business and I don't want people to know what's going on in my life. So I just like, and I don't really want to, I don't really care to know what other people are doing. So I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to delete it. There's no point in having it for real. Yeah. But I just, you know, for the listeners, I would like for you guys to think about what have you sacrificed lately? You know, because I can guarantee that removing something that has your full attention from your life will give you that space to really hear from God because the majority of the time we're sitting here and we're, we're so distracted. focused. We are so distracted. Yep. But it's, it was all in, in the plan of, but I'm so, of, of humanity. I swear it was. Everybody take 30 minutes in your morning and just don't, don't talk. Don't get on your phone. Just read your word and go on with your day because like, you will hear from God. I heard this thing. I can't remember if I was on Instagram or... It wasn't on TikTok because I haven't even been on TikTok. I have to take TikTok breaks because TikTok will get Addicting. your brain... Oof. What they put in that, I don't so know. So I try to... 
I try to do TikTok like maybe once every few months, four or five months. And I'll stay on there for like until the point where they'll tell me to stop and take a break. But I was watching something and the person said that um, there's 168 hours in a week. So if someone gave you $168 mm-hmm. and they said, this is yours, free to have. The only thing I ask for you to do is to give me out of every hundred and sixty-eight hours, or not hour dollars, give me one dollar back. Wouldn't that be simple for you mm-hmm. to do? Yeah. So, in a sense, we have one hundred and sixty-eight hours in a week. Mm-hmm. And what would it hurt for us to give one hour back to God? You know. Like, one hour. In a week, I feel like you should be given more than one hour. But I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. Oh, one hour is not going to kill you. Right. But you have people that... Try seven hours, like one hour each day. So, for seven days. Well, yeah. I mean, even if somebody gave you $168 and you gave $7 back, that's still $161 free to you, you mm-hmm. know. But we're so conditioned to be distracted by everything, all of our surroundings, especially now that we have phones and televisions and radios and Playstations and Xboxes and computers and traffic. That's Lord. What, traffic is a good place to give some praise, some prayer and praise. What were what you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> you said that's why you always, something you was going to say. That's why it, it's necessary to, like... Honestly, I feel like it's necessary to just get away from your reality sometimes. Because I feel like you can hear God's voice better when you're not in your everyday life. Like, your day-to-day routine, I guess. Well... That's why we should take a vacation. Yes, we should. And that's one of the reasons why I went to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware in January. And when I tell you... If I could show you guys, I guess if, yeah, I guess if we were doing like a video YouTube, um, when I went to, when I went down to the beach, I was led to write like a prayer. Um, I was led to do a couple of things, but I'll share that I was led to write a prayer and to put it, to rip it up and to put it in the ocean. One of the things that I prayed about was letting people and things go that don't serve me, that are not healthy for me. And I took a picture and I also took a video because I felt like somebody would feel like the picture, if somebody saw the picture, that it was Photoshop when it really wasn't. Literally, I'm standing in front of the ocean and when I'm taking a selfie of myself, one side of the ocean is gray and the other side is sunny and blue. So you had the clouds on one side with grayness, and then the other side was sunny and blue. And it was like God was saying, do you want to stay in this gray place, or do you want to walk towards the sunshine? And I started walking, and it just got bluer and bluer. And you would not believe it unless you saw it or saw the video that I took. But that was my getaway. That was my way of kind of hearing from God on what I need to do moving forward. And I made a lot of faith 
faith-led moves <laughs> this year. Very much so a lot of faith-led moves that I think that if I didn't really take time to, to listen to God, to read more, because I started reading books and meditating, praying, you know, all that stuff that I would not have taken. And I'm still on a journey. Um, it gets a little confusing at times because I'm like, what am I supposed to do next? But I, even in that, I feel like God is still saying, just be still. Just be still. Don't really take any major steps right now. So it is definitely important to get away from your environment so that you can hear and listen and be open to it. So, But that was, I mean... That's a good that's a good thing to really talk about is sacrifice. Cause I, I I can guarantee you we don't do it enough. Where are we? We are at chapter sixteen. You reading? You're reading. I'm reading. Going back and forth. Okay. Is this the last one? Yeah, this is probably gonna end up being the last one. Now Sarah, Sarah I, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the, in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram, Abram a son, <laughs> and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So let's read the note. Hagar has three strikes against her. She is a woman, a foreigner, and a servant. Yet God cares for Hagar and saves her from death in the desert. 
The Lord himself apparently visits Hagar and asks her to question, where are you coming from and where are you going? Like Hagar, we usually know the answer to the first question, but have no idea about the second. Right. (laughs) The Lord provides her with direction, perhaps not what Hagar desires to hear, Mm. and she obeys. In turn, God blesses her with the promise of a strong and free son who will not have a trouble-free life. But Hagar is blessed in an even greater way. She is the first woman in scripture, aside from Eve, who sees the Lord himself and receives a promise of blessing and protection directly from him. Can you imagine seeing God like the way they used to see him back then? Like we can see God in in the way of like his presence in our life, Mm -hmm. but like physically to see him. Do you think they were physically seeing him? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I believe he came down in spirit form. I don't, I don't know if it was like fleshly form because I feel like Jesus was the only fleshly form spirit. But I do believe like like visions. Wait, go back and read the part where it says, um, we usually know the answer to the first question, but read that please i can't really read sideways okay so like hagar we usually know the answer to the first question but have no idea about the second the lord provides her with direction perhaps not what hagar desires to hear and she's and she obeys in turn god blesses her with the promise of a strong and free son who will not have a trouble free life i'm just that just spoke to me that's why i needed you to read well it. tell me about it what was about that? That spoke to you. Can I get the book? Like, I just want to hold it so I can sure. think and do the same thing. <laughs> okay. We don't tend to know where we're going most of the time in life. And, and we may not always understand that what God... <laughs> we may not always understand where God is taking us. And we may not always like where God is taking us. But he's not going to do anything that is going to intentionally harm. Or like he's going to bring us prosperity. And yeah, that's all I have to say. Okay. I mean, and that that's facts, you know. Um, I think you have to be the type of person that is okay with not knowing yeah. everything. Um, with that's okay with surprises. That may not be the one that has to plan everything when it comes to God, because I I just don't think that's how He works. He doesn't work like that. I think you can walk a straight path. But it may have hills and valleys and turns and even though it's still straight, you're still walking forward, but it just may have a lot of different things going on, you know. Um, And for me, what I definitely need to work on is this wanting to know everything like 
I'm that's a struggle for me because <laughs> I my and that comes with trust. You that's know, what I was about to say. do you think that's a trust? No, thing? it's a trust thing. That's like being blindfolded and you're you're leading me now. You, but you have to trust the person that's being you, that, that's, that's leading, leading you. you. I, I would trust you leading me. I don't think you would just like guide me into a building and <laughs> you know I'm no. bumping my head or whatever. But um, I think what happens with people is they go through traumatic events in life. And so their trust for God is yeah. not as strong. And I'm speaking for myself. is not as strong in certain areas. Now, there's areas where I have wholeheartedly believed that he will provide. And, and then there's areas where I'm like, I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know if that's ever going to be, you know. But when we sit on the chair, nine times out of ten, we're not thinking this chair is going to buckle, um, right. you know, beneath us. Um, when we eat food from anywhere, even if we're preparing it, but if we're eating out nine times out of 10, we're not thinking this food, right. This food is going to kill me or, um, because, because we have enough history with knowing that it's going to be okay. But there are instances, you know, in our lives where it wasn't okay. And that's where the, the lack of trust comes in. You know, especially in those areas. So you have people, you know, in financial situations who may have struggled. So they have a poverty mindset and they hold on tight to what they have, not realizing that when you freely give, it's it always, comes back yeah, to you. It's come back. So, you know, it's, it's definitely all about trust and just knowing, knowing your, your father and... Just believing that he got you. Yeah. Keep the faith. He got you. And this is from someone who didn't really have, like, her biological father present. So, you know, God had to be that representation for me. Really didn't have my mother present like that. So, you know, my grandma was there. But it's the representation. Got to trust. I'm working on it. I'm working progress. I'm working progress. <laughs> so. All right. So where did we stop at? 15 now. We're on 17? Yeah, ma. <laughs> okay. So but, that's what we're going to We're going to start back on 17 next week. Yeah. And um, this was a good one. Oh, look at that. Look. What? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, this was a good one. A little emotional for me. I don't know. But, yeah. It just reiterated things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a confirmation for you. Yeah. What, that you need to give that phone up? Because I'll be no. sitting... My poor child. No, I'll, I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, Lord, your eyesight, girl. Put the phone down. It's more of like, I don't know where... Like, that. that's why I said it stood out to me. Because mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going next in life. Because, like, you know, 18, like... I feel like I have to figure it out now, but that's not the case. And I'm just trusting that wherever God leads me is where I'm going to be, where I'm supposed to be. So, And it'll all happen in due timing. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I think we're both kind of like, 
stuck <laughs> just kind of stuck in the what are we gonna do with the rest not with the rest of our lives because i feel like nothing lasts forever especially when you're talking about careers like back in the day you can work for a job at 18 and retire in 30 years once you put your time in and you were set there was loyalty on both sides the employee and the employer now, no one even really wants to stay at a job more than like three to five years. So this journey does not necessarily have to be your life's journey. It could be, you know, what am I going to do the next three years? Or what am I going to do the next five years? You know, it doesn't have to remain the same. And or like, it could. Who knows? I know I've spoken to God about my desires of like what I want. Because if you know me, everyone knows I love to sing. Okay, it's I sing like all the time in the house singing. People probably telling me to be quiet, but <laughs> I sing all the time. So it's like that's really what I want to do, and I know that I've known that since I was like nine. But it's, there's this fear behind it that kind of is like, uh, but I also know that I don't really know how I'm gonna get there. But I'm gonna get there, and I trust that. I trust that God's gonna get me there. So, well, I can tell you one thing. For certain, too, for sure, is you have to start. You just have to start. I know. That's why I've been so. making, singing TikToks and posting mm. them and uploading and stuff. Yeah, just, keep, just keep with it. And um, especially the way it's not like it used to be back in the day where you had to meet with a record exec and this, 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 and that to make it. Like, you can literally be online. Mm-hmm. Like MMA. And, that's what MMA did, too. Yeah, and, and grow. And you don't even need a record deal to, to be successful at it, honestly. Because yeah. people be producing their own music and doing it and right. putting it out and stuff like that. Yeah. Be blowing up. So there's so many different options now, which is great for people to be to create, you know. I really understand the whole creator um, concept on social media because you really can, in your own way, create things. That's what I'm trying to figure out for myself. Like, what is it that I... Where's my passion? I feel like I don't even have a passion anymore. We could talk about that tomorrow. Okay. We have to remember that. Write that down. Write that in your notes, because tomorrow we'll be like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. We can talk about passion Mm -hmm. tomorrow. But anyway, I want to lead us out in prayer and, and close it out. Okay? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for wisdom and understanding as we read your word. May you continue to add a blessing to the reading and understanding of your word. Cover us as we slumber and sleep. Watch over everyone who's listening in their households and their loved ones and keep them safe from hurt, harm, and danger. We thank you as always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. So we will see you guys next week. Not see you. Hear you. You'll hear us (laughs) next week, next Wednesday. Um, Our apologies because we've been kind of just on, I don't know. Slacking. Slacking, but moving. Like, I feel like I've been moving a little bit more. I have a little more energy now, so I've been kind of moving a little bit more. But anyway. We thank you for listening, and go that's going follow to be... every 
um, connect with us on all of our social medias and stuff, you can also email us, which is also in the description. And if you want to support us in any way, shape, or form, that's also in the description. So, yes, thank you. We appreciate you. And bye bye. Bye. Why am I always yelling?